Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in our study of the New Testament, we've been working through it a chapter at a time. Um, We're in over two years now, and it's a five-year journey uh, through the New Testament, and then 15 years after that through the Old Testament. So, so really, we've got 18 years left, and we'll have this thing knocked out. And I appreciate your enthusiasm and that you keep showing up. All right? <laughs> but it's all good. Um, you know, it's funny. I was with the, the group in Ocala. Now I'm losing track of time. It wasn't last... No, it wasn't last week. It was a week before. And uh, if you don't know, we started a little satellite church up there that we've been working on for five years. And now we have a facility on the highway, and it's very cute. And if you actually, if you ever go there, when you walk in, it's like a mini-us. It looks just like this, only much smaller. And uh, it's very cool to, to be a part of that and to watch where it came from, which was sort of a vision. And then lots of trips and lots of prayer and lots of movement of God to, to get that running. Anyway, they do what we're doing. And since they're on Wednesdays and on, on Sundays, they, the, but Scott takes them and does them live now. Um, the, uh, and so they're a week or two behind us. But what's fascinating up there is so now pretty much everybody that's coming is new. But one of the things that they can, they can sort of remember when they came to the church was what chapter of Scripture they were on. And I think that's kind of a cool thing, don't you? So, hey, I came during the book of Acts. And, then, and so when you get enough years of this, it'll be pretty cool. You know, we start getting to the Old Testament and people are showing up. Anyway, I, thought, I probably thought that's cooler than you do, but nonetheless, that's... I'm allowed, and, and it's all right. Okay, so um, we've done the book of Matthew, the book of Mark. We did the book of John. We went and did the book of Luke's after that, Luke after that, and now we're into the book of Acts. We did Luke and Acts together because they were both written by Luke, and they were written to, which means, thank you very much. You guys are doing really good. Luke wrote them to Theophilus, which means lover of God. We believe Theophilus was a very real person, but even in the case that he's not, it was written to all the lovers of God, which includes us. Luke was a historian. He was very good with his facts, and, and um, his writings have uh, always borne out well archaeologically as well. That means when they discover things and put them against the writings of Luke, they always match up. He was right on it. He got it, and he did it very well under the inspiration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we consider him our you know, one of our greater historians in the recording of these important things that happened. Luke gives us a ministry of Jesus, uh, and, and then the book of Acts, he follows on now to the Acts of the Church, Acts of the Disciples, the beginning of the church. And I'll, I'll say this every time we get together, it's, it, you should feel a special tie to the events in the book of Acts because they're our events, they're, they're, they're the church, they're, they're us. They're just, they were there earlier than we were, but they're still us moving forward. And that, at some level, while we are no longer writing Scripture and adding to canon, we are still a part of the book of Acts. And that we're the church in the world today, doing what we do as inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and doing the things that, that God has called us to do. So, so that's what's taking place uh, in the journey. Now, we're, we're hitting a transitional chapter here in the book of Acts today as we move into chapter 13, and we've been moving towards this. The initial chapters of the book of Acts, um, the, the main sort of focus is on Peter. We, we, we've 
we've touched into some of the lives of the other guys, but it's really been about primarily the Apostle Peter. He's been the, the main focus as sort of the main, the number one guy of the early church. They were all important, but, but Luke focused on the ministry of Peter primarily. And we're about to transition now um, to the ministry of Paul, Saul. Uh, he's still Saul. It's about to become Paul in this chapter. We get the name change finally, and, and we get some things that, that sort of shift around. Um, to set the stage now, the, the church has been established for some time. Probably we're 12 or 15 years into the church at this point. Uh, of, of since, the, since the resurrection of Christ, crucifixion and resurrection. Oh, by the way, we had a great Easter, didn't we? I mean, you know, I mean, that was a... It, yeah, it really was. A, it was a... That was an amazing weekend. Um, you know, the, from the Good Friday concert to the, to the beach barbecue baptism, 38 people got baptized on Saturday. We had over 800 people attend our uh, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday services, which was, it was really great. And then, um, uh, I don't have an actual count, but in, as, and it's not a, as, in a conservative count as I would give you for people responding to the invitation every service, we were up over 50. And uh, that's really cool stuff, guys. So, you know, God bless you. You, get to, you guys, you know, we do that stuff together. You, you invited people. They came. We had a whole bunch of people come at 11. And uh, a lot of them were saying, I didn't know this place was here and I'll be back. And that's the stuff that we're looking for. You know, I'll come back. Because those people, see what happens is they go and tell other people. And we still, I'm still shocked at how many people locally don't know that we're here. They just haven't heard about us. I'm like, how can you not have heard about us? And they haven't. So, so when, a, when that kind of stuff happens and you get some people that come in and, and are, uh, you know, uh, and most of them, I mean, obviously some people are not going to be happy and that's okay. I mean, but, but primarily they were, they enjoyed it. They had a good time and they, they heard the, the, the gospel and we planted seeds as well as having people respond. And I'm, I'm hoping that now, see, we'll see them keep coming back. Because when they start coming like that, they start telling everybody else. That whole circle of friends that they got that doesn't know about us. They get to hear about us. Hey, we're going to this crazy place. <laughs> oh, you should come and check it out and get a breakfast. All right. So, um, God bless you guys for what you're doing. See, that's one more, right? That's what it's all about. That's the mission. What, what's our, what are we here for? To get one more lost child back to dad. One more. Now, it was cool we had over 50 respond and baptize 38. So, that's, so, I mean, we could change it to 38 more, but that doesn't make as much sense, right? <laughs> What are we here for? 38 more. Um, <laughs> still going to be one more. But, but see, you get it. And that's, that's the church. But see, now, now take, check this out. That's Book of Acts stuff. Do you get it? I mean, that's the, that's the stuff, man. That's the, that would have, if they were still writing, they'd be writing that stuff. And, 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 and so, you know, that's what I want you to tie into when we talk about these things. That's what I get excited about. This is us. And, and just moving forward. Okay. So... That was, a, that was a bunny trail. Transition. The book of Acts now, we're, we're moving into, and we're going to start seeing now, Paul's ministry. And, and Paul is called to this missionary journey. Remember, we saw Paul some chapters ago, um, and, and he, um, he was persecuting the church at first when we first met him. And then he gets radically saved and converted. And then he's in Jerusalem for a little while where the Lord uses him mightily. But, but because he's so effective, the, the church is undergoing a lot of persecution. And, and eventually they kind of ship him off. And, and he, he's sort of out of 
the works for about 10 years. You know, and we figure he's off studying and getting close to the Lord and doing all those things. And then Barnabas goes and finds him a couple of chapters ago and brings him to Antioch. And he ministers with Barnabas in Antioch. And the church there in Antioch, which is primarily a Gentile church, begins to take hold and, and starts to grow. And Antioch will become the missionary base of the church. The mother church will always be in Jerusalem, but Antioch begins to be the, the base of this missionary activity that the church takes on. And when, when we get into reading the scripture, you'll see that right in the beginning, Acts 13, the leaders of the church are praying, there's teachers and there's prophets, and the, the Holy Spirit leads them to set apart uh, Barnabas and Saul and send them out onto these missionary journeys, and that's where they go. And, and you'll, you, you'll see as we read, they... Uh, on their first stop, what they do is they go to the synagogues and they, they preach the gospel in the synagogues, first to the Jews, and then when, when, the, when the Jews uh, either receive it or don't receive it, and then they turn and they go to the Gentiles. And this will be the, um, the process of the missionary outreach. Paul always goes to his people first. Always gives them a chance to hear the message, to hear what happened. And then from there, they go on to the Gentiles. And I'll tell you really why that was so effective. You'll also see in Acts 13, where Paul has an encounter with a false prophet, a magician, a sorcerer, that's very similar to the one Peter had some chapters ago, which I think is interesting. And, and you know, the way Luke writes, he makes a big deal over this thing that takes place. And, uh, and then we'll read a great, powerful, uh, apostolic uh, gospel message that Paul gives, that, that if, you, if you've been with us, you'll know it's very similar to one that Peter gave. Under the anointing of the Spirit, he just lays it out there, and it's, it's, it's wonderful to see. Also very similar to the one that like Stephen gave. Uh, it's just this, this powerful gospel message is uh, presented, and, so, uh, and with great impact. So that's what you're going to look at. Let's go ahead and look and read Acts chapter 13. There's 52 verses that I will read to you. Beginning in verse 1. You can turn in your Bibles if you want. I'm reading the NIV. Or they're in very small print here in these notes. But that's what happens when they're little. I couldn't see that with glasses on. Oh, actually I can. But I, but I don't. I have them here in much bigger print. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene... Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Synagogues, plural. I, I, I meant to pluralize that and it came out funny. Synagogues. <laughs> and I probably just should have kept going, but now I've made a point. John, John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for that was his name, that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Ilimas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions, companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled forty years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He would do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to continue. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with them from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, 
Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that cool? When the Jews saw the crowds, and that when, when you see that, that means the religious leaders, saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We have to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, here we see these. And these are like, these are neat events. And, and I, you know, part of me thinks, like I said, just like when we have a, a big weekend like last week, that's, that's a kind of, there's an excitement in the air, the things are happening, and, and the, the, uh, the, the guys are just doing what they're called to do, and they're seeing great response from the people, and yet there's persecution that comes, and there's all that that goes on in it, but, but all this neat stuff is taking place. And so, so let's just cover through. There in the beginning, like I said, the, the church in Antioch becomes a missionary base, uh, and and an outreach um, sort of base for what the Apostle Paul is going to be doing in the years ahead. Jerusalem's still the mother church. Antioch is the missionary church. Antioch's pretty well positioned. It's it's near um, some places where they can get on ships. And you'll see in, in the next couple of verses they they go down about 16 miles to hop on a ship when they take off and they leave from. Antioch. And so, also from this point on, the central figure is now Saul, Paul, uh, in this thing. Same person, but he's about to have his name changed here very shortly. In the second and third verse, the leaders of the church in Antioch, they're worshiping, they're fasting, and they're hanging out, and they, they feel like the Holy Spirit directs them to set apart Barnabas and Saul to lay hands on them and to send them out to begin to proclaim this word, the gospel, um, and let it spread from there. And, and they're going to target now Gentiles. Up until this time, other than the encounter at the house of Cornelius, um, Gentile converts have been sort of a, a, an overflow experience of um, the, the church ministering to the Jewish people who receive it and what Gentiles kind of hear it along the way. Um, interestingly, even though they wouldn't eat with Gentiles, in most synagogues there was a place, there was a special section for what were called God-fearers. And, and God-fearers could be Gentiles who could come into the synagogue if they had sort of adopted the law at some level in their life and a high moral standard. And, and so it was also a very interesting thing when the... Because you'll see it, you read it when, now that you know the term. When Paul and Barnabas would go into these synagogues to preach... Um, in these, everywhere they showed up, um, there would be that group, usually of God-fears who were there, and that was often their avenue in then to preach to Gentiles, is that would go through there. Because the religious leaders, you'll see, just like they did with Jesus, they're jealous. The, the representatives of God are jealous over, over what's happening, because it's not happening with them. And so a lot of them just flat out reject it, because they're more concerned about their own deal 
than really trying to focus in on the Lord, which is, I mean, we all have to be careful that that stuff happens. So, so that's what's going on. And so they, um, they, they pray for them and they send them out. And, and they're led by the Holy Spirit to go to Cyprus. So they first, they go down to this little port city, they hop on a boat and off they go to Cyprus, which is uh, interesting because it's, that's Barnab- where Barnabas came from. And, and at this point it's still Barnabas and Saul in the way things are being led. And so, you know, I'm sure Barnabas felt a call to go back home and tell people about Jesus, which makes sense to me. Hey, this is really good news. Let's head back and uh, go tell the folks at home about what's taking place and what's going on all over the world. So they, they head back uh, in verse 5, and they're in this town, Salamis. Uh, it's a very large city in the eastern part of Cyprus, and it had a large Jewish population. And so they, they begin to preach in the synagogues there. When I was reading the scripture, I, I was trying to emphasize the plural of synagogues, and that's when it came out so funny. Um, and so that was a, there were syna- synagogues there. Synagogues. There was more than one synagogue. And so there was a large Jewish population to which they went to minister. And, and they, they preach in these synagogues, and this establishes the pattern for their missionary activity. They would always get into a town, they go to the Jews first, and then they would go to the Gentiles. And as I said, in these synagogues was these sections for, for God-fearers, and it was a great avenue in. It really, it was a great, uh, uh, the Lord set it up, but it was a very effective way to begin to preach the word of God into a city. You know, think about it. Um, uh, they didn't... Uh, see, now there's so many avenues for getting the Word of God out that I don't, I don't even think we think about how limited it was back then. Um, and so, I mean, because now there's, you know, there's, there's television and there's, there's radio and there's Internet access and, you know, it's everywhere. Back then, it, that was the thing. You know, they would... They would go, and the message was only heard by people who could get to the place and hear the message. They couldn't record it, uh, you know. They couldn't. They couldn't rebroadcast it. It was that was the deal. So they had to hear about it and 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 get with the story. So this is what was taking place. Um, also note that in the beginning here, John Mark is with them. Uh, John Mark is Barnabas's cousin. Um, he he's also known as Mark, the writer of the book of Mark. And at, you're going to see a conflict that happens. Because what happens is Mark bails out in the middle of this missionary journey and Paul's not very happy about it. And eventually, Paul and Barnabas have a conflict over it and they end up being two new teams because the next time they, they go on another set of missionary journeys and Barnabas wants John Mark to come and Paul says no um, because he bails out on us. And Barnabas stands up for his cousin and says, well, he did, but he'll, he'll be better this time. You know, people... People mess up. And Paul, I like this, that these things are recorded. You'll see it. Paul's like, no, unwavering. And, uh, and so Paul ends up with a new partner, and so does Barnabas, and they go off and do these things for a while. And at some level, God uses that, because now instead of having one missionary team going out, guess what? He's got two. <laughs> so, so God's able to use stuff like that, right? Um, even, and, and, and then what's really cool is later on, you'll see that all that relationship gets restored. Because towards the end of Paul's ministry, he's saying, please send Mark, I need him. That was John Mark. They'd worked it out, which is good to know. See, conflict, and then you resolve it, and some people make mistakes, and maybe Paul didn't handle it the best way that he could have. And, and certainly, you know, John Mark didn't do it. And, and they all had their part in it, but they work it out. And I like that stuff. But you'll see that story as it unfolds 
I just wanted to let you know it was coming. And so then in verse 6, there's this encounter with this false prophet, this magician, um, uh, who was of, of Jewish or, origin. That's why they called him a false prophet. Um, and uh, his name is, is Bar-Jesus, which means son of um, deliverance. Jesus means deliverance. The, the, I mean, we know Jesus, but his name means deliverance. So son of deliverance in the process. But this is a significant encounter because this false prophet is an attendant of the proconsul in uh, Cyprus there in the city in Salim. Now, a proconsul is like a governor elected by the Roman Senate. Not directly by the uh, uh, Caesar or whatever, but, or the emperor, but by the Senate. So, very important guy. And uh, um, he hears what's happening and he wants to hear what's taking place. Uh, and so, uh, while the false prophet is trying to get in the way of this message being preached because he fears it, um, Paul, uh, uh, Paul steps up, and this is really in these verses where we see Paul sort of assume leadership. And it's kind of fascinating. From now on, from this point forward, it'll always be Paul and Barnabas. Up until this point, it was always Barnabas and Saul. And something happens in this encounter. Now when you see them in the book of Acts, except when they go back to Jerusalem, it swoops again. That's some other church. But out in the missionary field, it's always Paul and Barnabas. And I, I think that Luke is uh, alluding to a change in leadership and that, that Paul's going to take the primary leadership role. And he does in this case. He steps into this conversation and he says to the false prophet, you're, you're not a son of deliverance. You're a son of Jesus. You're a son of the devil. And, uh, and the Lord blinds the guy and the proconsul has heard the word because they preach it, sees the power of God and he, he becomes a believer. And so, see, these are the ironies that, that Luke always brings out. So, so here's a Jewish uh, false prophet rejecting the truth and here's a Roman Gentile governor accepting the truth and believing. So you need to see that this is, Luke writes this way on purpose. It's, here's, here's a, here's a, a false prophet, uh, 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 the, the Jewish guy who's blinded and can't see. But here's this Roman Gentile governor who's able to see the truth as the gospel is presented. Uh, in our baptism of those 38, I just had this thought, three of them were Jewish. That's, that's really good stuff. I don't, say when you die, that's really cool stuff. Um, anyway, I move along. And again, you might wonder, so what? It's, it's, a, it's, it's very significantly cool. Anyway, okay, moving along. Um, so, uh, so from now on, always Paul and Barnabas. You'll see that in, in uh, our encounters ahead. And uh, uh, that happens there. Paul's considered the leader. And I read through that. All right. Verses 14 through 41, I'm, I, I, I don't need to reiterate. It's, it, but I, I think you should read it. I love reading these, uh, these guys as they preach. And, and how, how they're able to condense in really a very short presentation recorded for us in Luke um, the thread of the how things happen almost from beginning to end it's like they take them back to almost the beginning in that little thing Peter did the same thing Stephen did the same thing and they tie in all this Old Testament prophetic um, scripture and they, they bring it to, to a point and uh, it's a tremendous thing I, you know I would uh, those are the kind of message you, you wish you could tie all that stuff in you know so wonderfully as they did and and 
the, the place just comes unglued. They're in a new town now. They moved on. And they hear this message and it's just powerfully received. And because they get it. It's the truth. And, and they, they're in the synagogues and Paul is using their, their scripture, uh, that, which he knows, you know, backwards and forwards. He's had time now to tie it all together as he's gone off to study and, and really say, and under the anointing of the Spirit, he lays out this message and it, and there's a, it, 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 it touches people and it resonates with them. And, and so they, they don't even want him to go, come back. Well, you come back again next week. And the whole city shows up to hear. Virtually the whole city. See, that's good stuff. I get excited about that. I mean, like, the whole city shows up to hear what happens. Of course, the Jewish leaders, they're, they're frustrated, again, because they haven't been having meetings like that. <laughs> and they're jealous. And so they start stirring up the, the issue, you know, let's get them out of town, which is what they'll do in pretty much every town at different levels. Sometimes they just kindly ask them to go. Other times, you know, they'll, they'll beat them half to death and, and they'll skip out and do all sorts of other things. But in this case, out you got to go, and uh, they move us to another. Uh, they move to another situation, and and so if you get a chance, go back and read that part of the message. Just so powerful in his presentation, and uh, Paul Paul says, "Okay, we're going to go to the Gentiles," and he brings up the scripture from Isaiah forty nine six, which is, "I've made you a light to the Gentiles," um, where where that's connected to this ministry that that God lays on Paul to go and be a light to the Gentiles, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And, and so we're going to see it now continue on from there as they, they move under the direction of the Holy Spirit to a town and they keep doing these same things. Where they go? They're going to, they're going to go preach in the synagogues and then when, when they won't hear it anymore, they set up and start planting churches with the Gentiles. And they, they stay long enough to train some leaders and then they move to the next spot. Because so, when you get to the next missionary journey, Paul's going to swing back through and see all the churches that started are doing. And you think about it. They're just pulling some guys. People, I mean... They spend some time with them, but they, they imagine how it was finding leaders and stuff in that whole fascinating process of planning churches. Of, you know, who rises up to be the leader and, 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 and are they good leaders and, and who's gifted in what? And these guys are making these decisions on the fly in a lot of cases because they're, they're only there for a year sometimes. You know, they send people back and they, they, Paul answers letters that he gets, you know, addressing issues. But that's how the church has started, putting people in place and giving them the ministry. So we'll check into that as we go. That's all I had to say about that because I'm almost out of time. And uh, I will do prayer requests tonight. If you have your prayer requests filled out, why don't you work them up here. If you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And uh, we love you guys up in Williston. God bless you. If you need anything, call us, write us, email us. We'll do what we can. But that's enough for the video. You can turn it off and I will do prayer requests.